Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Robison. I'm a candidate for the North Carolina State Senate representing Charlotte's District 39. I'm also your host for the Elephant in the Room podcast, where we tackle issues that are on people's minds but may not be talked much about until now. And today we are going to look at what looks like a skyrocketing of national and Charlotte metro area home prices. Um, If you own a home in Charlotte, you have been astonished by how quickly it's heated up. And very soon, I think we're all going to be astonished at the revaluation, unfortunately, by the county and how much more in property taxes we will all be paying in the near future. So while the inflation of property values is exciting, especially if you're a seller, of course, the inflation of adjustable rate mortgage payments, as well as tax valuations, eh, not so exciting. Now, my guest today is an expert in this subject, especially here in Charlotte, and I'm very pleased to introduce her. Her name is Tiffany Johannes. She is with REMAX Executive. She's actually the general manager and the broker in charge, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me today, Mark. It's a pleasure. So... In the early 2000s, um, I did a few flip houses and it seemed like that, you know, right after that dot com bubble hop in the stock market, it started that seemed to, you know, transition over to real estate. And on that upward ride, it it almost seemed like it was endless. And then, of course, now after that bubble popped and things got more normal, um, we ended up buying our house in 2014 and have uh, over eight years later, and according to Zillow anyway, it's up over 70%, which is pretty wild. Um, So I think overall, it seems like most people's houses, you know, in a 10 year span, they've almost doubled in just a few years. And I have to admit just deep, deep down inside to me, it feels a bit like, I don't know, 2007. Um, Are we about to get a deja vu experience here, Tiffany? Uh, Mark, I do not think we are going to see what we saw in 2007. If we reflect back on 2007, when you look at the lending practices and the kind of loosey-goosey feel of lending, and you look at the number of homes we had built in the area and the growth we had in the area with builders, it's much different today. With the pandemic, builders didn't build as much. During the Great Recession, builders didn't build as much either. So we're still short, like four and a half million homes throughout the country. And then interest rates have come up and lending practices have changed substantially compared to pre-recession times. When we look back to 2007, 2008, which was an awful time for us all. When you saw like 26 months worth of inventory on the market, today we're at one and a half months worth of inventory. And I- even balance between buyer and sellers at six months. So we still got four and a half months worth of inventory to build to get to a point to where we have a balance. So all of the houses we saw in the market back in 2007, I don't, we're not there. And I don't think we will be because of the shortage of housing in our country and in our area due to our growth. So there is a difference. Yes, definitely is a difference. Well, I, you know, I was looking to see just some of that Zillow information. I was looking at the median price in June of a home in Mecklenburg County was about 412,000. It was just about 4% down to July to 395. Now, obviously both, both of those numbers are much larger than a year ago. Um, but here's what I, and you mentioned, you kind of alliterated to it a little bit there is, you know, I've heard the Charlotte real estate market is one of 
um, the most overinflated markets in the country. Um, somewhere I read it was second. Um, somewhere else seemed a little more um, normal, What like it was sixth. Whatever it is, it's it's in the top 10 behind Austin, Texas, and some of the states that have such an influx of people. But the question is, how did this happen? And, and is it all just interstate migration that is pushing demand up? We see a lot of interstate demand, and that's typically New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. We've seen a lot of California moving this direction and a lot of people moving back up from Florida into our area. And as we see that and we see a lot of millennials starting to take the jump from renting for years over into home ownership as they are getting into their 40s, that has been one of the reasons why Charlotte has been hot. We've had a lot of relocations throughout the years. And as people started looking around during the pandemic and thought, where can I live that is more affordable than some of the larger cities in our country and has a great quality of life, Charlotte was it. And so I think the influx of people in, the interest rates being so low, and the lack of sellers putting the houses on the market during the pandemic, plus the lack of inventory from new construction and the shortages in new construction really created what we saw in that spike over the last two years. You know, it's interesting. So my district or the Senate district that I'm running for runs, um, you know, it's it's Eastover. It's kind of the more traditional areas. And then it spreads uh, from uh, kind of the south central Mecklenburg area, way over into Steel Creek, um, the Palisades. And and the more I am spending time in that area, it almost seems like whether it's not just homes, but uh, apartment complexes, condominium complexes are just going up on what was farmland very short time ago. It's, it's just so much is coming in. And it, it um, it's almost like, well, finally, it's still going to be a ways off, but maybe inventory starts going up. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is it is the inventory is is a lot different in terms of what the demand was. Um, you know, maybe in 2007, uh, it was a longer lead time and it got longer, but now it's shorter because of this this influx of people from those states that you mentioned. It is that, and then just purely the lack of building during the Great Recession. When you stop building homes for five to seven years during that Great Recession period, you start back up, you have the pandemic, you have all of the shortages you've had with building supplies and materials, that kind of led to the tsunami of where we were for the last two years. With interest rates and inflation and the feds working to try to tame it, that's how we've gotten into a cooling down state. Because when you go from interest rates earlier this year being in the low fours to being mid sixes today, that's a substantial difference in what the consumer is going to pay for a mortgage. So some of the first time home buyers and the move up buyers are really looking going, huh, when I look at my mortgage rate, it's a lot more. And that's what slowed down buyers and sellers started putting a few more houses on the market. So we're starting to see inventory mm. grow just a little bit, but not enough to put us into a tailspin or a bubble pop okay. at this point. So maybe Charlotte, I, and I should probably say the Southeast, it just seemed, or even the Sun Belt out to Phoenix and through Texas, it's almost like not insulated, but maybe we're not going to see as hard a landing as some other parts of the country like California and the Northeast. I would agree with that. When you look at our area and the growth that we're seeing in our region, I believe we're going to have a softer landing than some other larger 
metropolitan areas where people have had, I mean, our affordability index, I mean, it's harder for someone to buy today than it was. But when you look at San Francisco, when you look at New York, when you look at even Dallas and mm -hmm. We have a better affordability index, and so more people seem to be moving to Charlotte, and that's good for us. But it also, from an economic standpoint for housing, we've got to have the supply to keep up with that growth. Right. So it, it that that does spell out a softer landing. I mean, it it seems that way. Um, you know, and I'm starting to see North Carolina just popped up on a list recently that you want to be on. CNBC ranked us as the number one state in the country for new business. And I thought, wow, you know, all we hear about is Texas and Florida now, all these companies, but all of a sudden uh we're slipping in and and now companies are relocating here weekly. I mean, it's it's incredible what's happening. And of course, being the largest city uh, in North Carolina makes us the the number one, um, I guess, move to spot. And I guess that's going to continue that that again, seems to me like something that would keep um, that would keep demand um, up there. So, you know, you mentioned something a second ago, um, which of course, every home buyer has got to keep their eye on. And that's interest rates. You know, the Fed just uh, hiked interest rates yesterday, yet again, 75 basis points. Um, so, OK, maybe this sounds like a simplistic question, but hey, is this is this helping or hurting the real estate market in Charlotte? It is slowing the real estate market. We are and we really need it to be slowed down <clears throat> so that our rates did not in terms of increases in our pricing and the appreciation didn't continue to go up. Like you said, your home value is up 70% since you bought your home in 2014. Right. When you look at 16.9, 16.9, you continue to add that up. You can't sustain that. And when you look at buyers in the marketplace through the spring, pretty much probably through June, you could not buy a house for what it was listed for. You were in competition and you typically would see anywhere from eight to 15 other buyers competing with you. And wow. so pricing no matter what you listed your house at was jumping up and it could be a 10% jump in some cases, even higher. So we needed that to slow. We needed buyers to be able to have some time to breathe, to really think okay. through, do you want to buy this house? Mm -hmm. What are the pros and cons as opposed to having to making instantaneous decisions, which was difficult for realtors and buyers alike, just in making sure that, everyone got the best advice and the best counsel relative to how to proceed with purchasing a home in our marketplace. So I think we all welcome the slowdown and being able to have <clears throat> a little bit more time to think about your buying. Right. Power. You, um, gosh, you know, it seems like, uh, again, I'm kind of going back to that, that time when I was, I was involved in a lot more real estate. Gosh, it seemed in 2000, Five, six, seven. You you just needed a heartbeat uh, to to get a loan. It was crazy, and of course, there were some great movies that came out and some great books that were written about. I know Michael Lewis um, wrote a great book about that, just saying, you know what? Who in the world? Why are they giving out these loans the way they are? And then, of course, it tightened up so severely just in you know 2012, 2013, 2014. It's like they went to the other side of it. You feel like that's kind of gotten more normal. In other words, they're they're 
they're saying, okay, we're going to give loans and we're going to, we're not going to just give them to everybody, but we're also not going to keep them from everybody. Has it got, has the banks kind of gotten more normalized on, on making loans? Well, I think when the bank shifted to the, from the no docs, the very loose lending standards pre great recession. to today you didn't see a whole lot of shifting. I think it's the documentation and what they require the letters and the validation of your income is there. I don't think any buyer who has bought a house in the last two or three years would say that the standards have lapsed. I would say that they would still think they gave up their firstborn during the process. And we've got to tell them, you yeah. will get this process soon. Just get through it, work through, make sure you have your paperwork in line. And, and as a realtor, one of the top mm-hmm. things we would always say is you need to have your financing in order well before you start looking at a home. You right. need to make sure you've talked to your lender or you've talked to your financial advisor and you have your paperwork and your documentation together because the last thing you want in a process is to not be able to qualify for a loan after you've gone under contract. You lose a substantial amount of money in North Carolina because we have a non-refundable due diligence fee. All right. Okay. That's good. And, you know, I wonder too, you know, you mentioned uh, more and more millennials coming into the buyer's market, maybe leaving the renter's market. Um, are they more, uh, do they seem to like they know what they're doing more so than maybe 10 years ago or five years ago? Are they more prepared? They are more prepared. They do a lot of research. They are looking at what's going on. And I think what they've realized now is rents are going up. And when you think about inflation and growth, right. You can't control your rent, but you can still control a 30-year mortgage, even if it's at 6% or 6.5%. And when you think about how much rents are growing based on CPI, it's oftentimes something that millennials are looking at. Because right now, a good 3 million 25 to 40-year-olds in our country are paying 50% or more of their income towards rents because all of the apartment buildings that are being built all over our area aren't coming in at the lowest of rates, they're premium rentals. And when you look at the vacancy rate, it's slim. So it's competitive to get into a rental. And when you look at it from a millennial standpoint, do you wanna be paying the mortgage of your landlord or do you wanna be building equity and growth? Because over time, regardless of where our rates are today in terms of growth over the last few years of appreciation, Homeownership has been one of the biggest ways to build wealth in our country for a lot of Americans. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because I, I was obviously working hard during the uh, the summer months, working uh, kind of canvassing neighborhoods uh, for candidates for city council, and every and I did. It was a bipartisan issue. It was uh, Republicans and Democrats. The top of the of, of the list of items was, gosh, you know affordable housing. And it seems to me like if rents just continue going up, that is going to push the demand to say, you know what, I I don't want to pay my landlord's uh, mortgage. I think I want to buy my own house. But if those prices are going too much, I think that was the the balance that 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 um, that they were talking about with the city council is how is this going to work? And I think um, the uh, the ordinance that was passed a few weeks ago where uh, no more single housing uh, on you know, a, a single family, I guess, single family um, lot. Is that something that, that is going to affect any of this? Or do you do you feel like a, a zoning ordinance that says no more single family homes on one lot is, is that going to affect some of this? I think what it's going to do is provide for a continued affordability track in our market. When you look at Charlotte and the surrounding areas, Charlotte 
our average list price this past August was $459,697. Oh, wow. That's up 16.7% compared to last year. Mm-hmm. Not everyone who works and lives in Charlotte can afford that type of home. And so it's pushing more and more of our residents out into the suburbs, which is a longer commute, higher gas prices. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got to find ways to provide for affordability for our residents. And then you talked about taxes and increasing the valuations. As you look at that, there are a lot in the communities where we've seen gentrification in and around uptown Charlotte. It continues to push out people or have issues where they can't pay their taxes. So, I mean, it's been an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I, I, it seems like I run into or did, especially when I was I was doing, you know, the the house flipping back uh, 20 years ago, you'd run into, for instance, um, older residents who had lived in their home for decades. And all of a sudden, their revaluation meant that, you know, on a retirement income, and you know, they'd been there for 30 years, they couldn't afford to pay taxes. And so they would end up having to sell their house. And then that house might get bulldozed or get added on to or, um, and that, that seemed that felt like the gentrification that you're that you're kind of referring to. So, you know, I again, I'm, I'm always a student of history, and it seemed like until 2007, there had never been a downturn in real estate. And maybe that was an aberration. Is there anything that we can learn from the last housing bust from that, you know, 08 to 2010 area that we can apply to the housing market we're in right now? I think what we learned was lending standards got us into it. And I worked with TransUnion Real Estate Information back in those days. And it was really interesting to see the appraisal strategies and the issues of lenders. And that has drastically changed. And so I think we did learn something from that. Lenders didn't make some of the loans that they did. And when you look at the equity, even though we've seen such an appreciation I think over 57% of homeowners have more than 50% equity in their home. And when you look at our community over the last few years, 25% of those purchasing were paying cash, whether it be investors or people moving in that just had hefty pocketbooks. Really? Yes. So I believe right now we're on a more stable ground. Unemployment is much lower than it was back then. And even though it's, projected to go up a little bit when you go from the threes to the fours, that's not a huge number relative Mm -hmm. to the market for housing. So I think we're going to continue to see the number of sales slow down over the next 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. But I think we'll continue to see buyers looking at an opportunity because you're basically renting your interest rate of 6% to 7%. And at some point it's going to come back down. Okay. There are different options that you can do from adjustable rates. So when you look back through history over the last 50 or so years that they've been tracking interest rates, we're still average interest rate. When I brought my first home 20 something years ago, I was paid seven to 8% interest rate. Right. My right. mother purchased her first home in the early seventies. I think she paid 15%. Wow. So when you look at, we were getting very comfortable at three to 4%. Six to seven percent is a very normal rate when you look back over the last 50 years. 
Are you, and, and this might not be in your wheelhouse, but I'm sure that when you have a client and they ask you, hey, should I do a 30-year, a 15-year, or an arm, do you ever have a, do you, do you weigh in on that or you tell them to kind of talk to the bank? I think it's important that they talk to their financial advisor and they talk to their lender because everyone has a different circumstance and I mm-hmm. want them to make sure that they were making the best decision for themselves and for the longevity of whatever their financial goals are because an arm might not make sense if you're going to be in a home for 20 to 30 years but if you're looking at the short term and it makes sense it could be a viable option for you you can also do the 30 year and then refinance when the rates come back down which they will at some point yeah it, it it's a cycle i mean it's almost like uh, you know you look back at the early i guess the late 70s early 80s when interest rates were in the high teens like you were talking about with your when your mother bought and then again 20 years ago wow we were in an amazing time when it was you know two or three neither one of those is normal <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in the middle where we are i guess you just it, would you say with this softer landing than the rest of the country um would you say that we're going to move from a seller's market to a buyer's market or is it just going to be more of a normalization i think it's going to be a normalization i'd like to see it balance back out to where buyers and sellers are a little bit more even and we've got a good ways to go before we get there. And you don't go from one and a half months worth of inventory to six months worth of inventory overnight, typically. And I would hope we're not going to see something drastic that would make that happen. And if a pandemic can make our market skyrocket like it did, hopefully we won't see anything that brings it in the complete opposite direction. I think. Right. Well, this is the part where I like to say, you know, you're in charge. Let's say you have a magic wand, Tiffany, and let's say you could cool the housing market or do something that would keep it from being this bursting bubble. Maybe we've already gotten there, but um, what could the Fed do or anyone in government for that matter uh, to keep us from, I guess, a national implosion uh, like we had back then? Or maybe they've already done it. Well, I I think the Fed continues to raise basis points they uh, did yesterday at 75 and they're continuing to work to try to get inflation under control and i'd like to see inflation get under control and i would like to see a more balanced playing field for buyers and sellers in our marketplace so that we can continue to provide affordability and a great place to live here in charlotte north carolina the best place in the world tiffany <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Uh, this has been a great conversation. I, I really uh, I can't thank you enough, Tiffany, for for joining me and sharing your time with us this morning. Well, thank you for inviting me, Mark. I wish you all the best. Thank you. So until next time, have a great day and always be on the lookout for the elephant in the room.